Hello and welcome to At The Source. I'm Alex and this is Karis. This is a podcast about food stories. We love talking about food and eating it. And now we're on a mission to record and share interesting food stories from people all over the UK and beyond. Join us as we explore food in all its glory. Welcome to At The Source. Today's guest is Steve Ashworth, a name and face many people in the southwest food scene will know. Not only does he have a large number of food projects on the go at any given time, but he's always out and about supporting other people's projects too. That's on top of a day job. In 2013, he won the Southwest Best Dish at the Southwest Chef of the Year competition, and more recently took the title of Somerset Food and Drink Hero of the Year at Somerset Life Food and Drink Awards. He's a judge for Taste of the West, Guild of Fine Foods, and the Bristol and Bath Food Awards, and is heavily involved in his local food festival, Feast Taunton. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for fitting us into your busy schedule. My pleasure. It's delightful to be here and uh, to sort of just uh, do this. It's looking at some of the people who've done the podcast before. It's quite uh, an honour to be asked and oh, uh, to be part of it. What a way to start. Is that buttering you up? Yeah, that, that's brilliant. Right? So did we manage to get everything in that you do? Because you just told us that you also are on the director's board for Bristol Food Connections. Yeah, I am, yes, yes. I'm sure there'll be other things on there. Compare for various food stages around the southwest and further afield. Uh, soil Association judging. I don't know. I do. The I did spot you on the Soil Association, yeah. association website. Executive we judging panel for the Soil Association. Oh. So it sounds very grand as does that. Um, no, I think you've got most of it. Good. Most. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Let's start from the beginning, though. Okay. What is your first memory of food? Ah, first memory of food. Um, you can take me back. I'll show my age now and go all the way back to the sixties in the north, up north. Uh, my parents had um, always had food businesses and I do like to say, as I might have mentioned before, I was born in a fish and chip shop, but <laughs> not literally. Well, and you really got me when you said that because I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the best topic for a podcast. Born in a fish and chip shop and then in a life of food. Amazing. Yeah. But, but then he pointed out that he wasn't being literal and I was silly to have thought that. No, 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 no. You weren't silly whatsoever. No, it was... Um, my parents had a the first they, they had a lot of food businesses before I was born and then when I was born they had a fish and chip shop so that's my probably I can remember it it is my first sort of memories of food will be probably the, uh, the smell of a fish and chips I would imagine oh. that's uh, that's uh, what I grew up uh, grew up with in uh, in Lancashire and everything so in a little village outside East Lancashire fish and chip shop my mum and my dad both working in there. When you're going to the chippy, what are you buying? <laughs> what now? Yeah. Fish, chips and mushy peas. Oh. Yeah. 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 It's uh, that would that would be my probably my first meal. I would probably wean them. Fish, <laughs> chips and mushy peas. No, it's probably actually the chips. My dad used to used to do uh, potato scallops. Oh, slices yes. and then fried. So Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the bits of bits of sort of uh, Batter and everything. The scraps. So, oh, scraps yeah. That, uh... I think, Harris, that chip shops in Australia, having been there for seven months, um, are nowhere near as good as our chip shops because although the fish is delicious and the batter's always great, the chips are never hand cut and homemade. No. They're no. always out of packets. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Although I've noticed, I, f- I feel like we have more choice of the f- types of fish you can have. Yeah. Yeah, I think nowadays it's changed a lot. I mean, back in my 
parents' day, it would have been cod or haddock. I mean, it, that's my, yeah. that is all it would have been. But my dad did use, uh, did do all his own chips. He had a, this weird machine in the corner where you put potatoes in at the top and you get chips out at the bottom. So uh, a chipper, know, yeah, but yeah, a chipper. Yeah, is yeah, that what probably. it's called? It probably is. Yeah, <laughs> it should be. I'm disagreeing with you. Yeah, a wood chipper. You have a potato chipper. Yeah, well, it yeah. all makes sense. Um, one more question before we move off the topic of fish and chips, just because I love <laughs> chips. It was the sixties, so yeah. were your mum and dad cooking the chips in beef dripping? No. Oh. No, no. Dripping tends to be more Yorkshire, so oh, okay. mm. um, so we wouldn't have been dripping. It uh, it would have been oil. My parents and that were using that, so it does seem to be this. Oh, somebody okay. might correct me here, but a Lancashire Yorkshire sort of separation between Yorkshire is very much dripping and. Lancashire, I think, is very much oil. So. Have you learned something new? Caris, yeah. um, there's a place that I want to take Caris to for a day out, my, my podcast wife, um, which is the Black Country Museum in Dudley okay. in Birmingham. And it's, I'm totally digressing here, and yeah. she's probably yeah. going to edit this out. Um, it's a place where they've got lots of old buildings from yeah. kind of Birmingham's food yeah. and just general history, and they've rebuilt them all, and they've got a chippy there, and they cook it all in beef mm. dripping. And it is so good. And every summer as a kid, we'd go and we'd all have a bag of like beef dripping chips and they were brilliant. Anyway. So it was fish and chip shop. And then the fish and chip shop, after a couple of years, they bought what was conveniently called a deli. Well, I'm not sure it was a deli, but it was probably selling at the time Lancashire delicacies. So lots of tripe, black pudding, cow eel, elder, uh, lots of other bodily parts of animals. Cow eel. Cow heel. Cow heel. Yeah, it's cow heel, but I'd probably drop the H. Cow eel. Cow eel. Elder, which is uh, another part of the the cow. Brown tripe as well as white tripe. These are things. Delicacies, and and I I hated them as a kid. Uh, But what about now? I probably I've, I've warmed to it. I don't. I don't. I, black pudding. I love mm. uh, tripe. Fried is still up, an yeah. acquired taste. People used to, the older people used to come in the shop and they used to just buy tripe. They used to just get wrapped up in um, in a sort of paper and um, and then they'd be taking it home and they just ate it with some onions on the top and vinegar. That's it. Raw. But I mean, tripe is it's been cooked. Yeah. So just by the process it goes through. So they just ate it like that. I can't deal with the texture. It's a funny texture. Mm. It is a very, very unusual texture. It takes a lot of liking, but um, you do you do come across it in a few restaurants and everything. I was going to say the kind of offal these days has swung round completely from being kind of maybe the food of the poor yeah. to now being something you can only really get in fancy yeah. restaurants where yeah. they're trying to do like nose to tail or yeah. they're trying to be really yeah. different. It's probably but, true. It's probably yeah. true. So. Amy, mm. what's your favourite offal? Favourite liver. Why? I just love it. We had it the other night and I felt I was regressing to my childhood. We had, um, I made uh, liver and onion and bacon, or liver and bacon and onion, whichever way around, uh, with some mashed potatoes and that was... That was just perfect comfort food, absolutely. It's a long while since I'd had it, and it just took me all the way back. Everything seems to take me back. I'm regressing more and more. I think it's an old, getting old. I feel like you've come here for some food therapy. Yeah, it is. It's therapy. It's <laughs> but, just talking about it. But food is, like, it's bring it brings back memories, and so many people, and I've said this so yeah. many times now, but food is love, and yeah. food is memories, yeah. and Food is friendship, and yeah. you know it brings people together. Yeah. it's 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 welcoming. It's 
it's it's a way of being a conversation breaker. It's you know, and, and my memories are like I say, the, the more I've been thinking about it, probably over the last two years, just for various reasons, is the more I remember things. You know, mm. the more I remember my dad um, probably starting a delivery service. He used to cook some things at home with. Um, I think he was trying to be entrepreneurial, but he used to cook some things at home and take them, take them to the local pubs. And the pubs, which didn't have kitchens and that, were serving him, serving them. So I can remember walking where we were in a place called Briarfield and walking down the main road as sort of probably a ten-year-old at lunchtime, saying, "Oh, doing these deliveries and that." And um, very and we, and we used to do. Well, I use a term loosely, hampers, but we used to. It's probably an early version of fair share in some ways. We used to make up uh, bags, uh, which we used to take round. I think he must. My dad must have been getting some money from somewhere. He wasn't that generous, but um, <laughs> um, he used to take round sort of you know bags of food to, and we used to deliver them to some of the older people and everything in oh. the area. I'm not sure we we're doing a lot for the con- uh, for the. For um, you know, with all the plastic and everything, we're probably pumping <laughs> out there. But uh, yeah, it's a thought that counts. Yeah, I yeah, think. It is. It I is. Think that's it really is. Important. Different. Different times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason we wanted to talk to you is because you're so involved in the food scene here in the southwest and bristol as we mentioned you have your own food projects so you were doing um too many critics and, yeah. and all these sorts of events so you know we thought if anyone knows about the bristol food scene it's going to be you and what we love about or what i love about the bristol food scene i think alex is the same is that there's this element of seasonality and so many chefs are trying their best to Again, farm to table, farm to fork, mm. nose to tail. They're trying to go back to their roots and using every part of the animal and, you know, using vegetables that are in season. And very local as well. Yeah. yeah. When you think about, like, birch as it was, kind of with their own allotment mm. and mm. Um, providing as much of their own stuff as they could. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's okay. So I have two questions in that. If you could pick one season that you'd love to eat in, which would it be? Yeah. And in terms of seasonal places to eat which could you recommend if somebody said i want to eat seasonally which restaurants would you go to oh gosh okay we're here to really um <laughs> to make things hard for yeah. you yeah okay now now you've got me thinking now i'm looking up to the ceiling to try and uh, for some inspiration <laughs> there. um personally from a season point of view i'll do the easier one first i think my favorite season is actually winter it's um i love winter I'm not a summer person. I'm not a barbecue type person. I will enjoy a barbecue, mm. but uh, I'm not a picnic kind of guy. I'm sort of good, hearty winter food. Mm. And it's that sort of sharing food. It's your stews and your pies and, you know, sort of big plates of vegetables and potatoes, which you can all sit down and you can share out. And, and that's what I sort of really enjoy it's uh i mean the seasons are great and it's good to see what you know to get excited as chefs are doing everything as new produce comes in and we can change the menus but to pick a season i'd say winter winters you know i, I like the cold nights i mean to, this weather's beautiful that we've got at the moment and everything it's mm. uh, it's winter but it's bright and it's dry mm. but those those sorts of days but mm. food that gives you a hug really that's what i'm, like I'm after you know, so, uh, you know, and gives other people a hug as well. We can share the hug around. But, uh, but no. Hug food. I yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm avoiding the bit. other bit of a question. 
I'm trying to think. Who cooked? I mean, the cooking would be seasonal. I mean, I I love this change in in emphasis and everything from sort of you know meat focused diets to to vegetable focused diets. Mm. Not and I, I and I'm I'm not very much you know pro vegan vegetarian or anything like that. I, I think going back even in my days, it's it's a way you know my parents used to eat my parents used to cook and everything and food which was coming into the shop and i think we've just we've done that now the places like root i mean i love love root and i love the way they work through the seasons and the vegetables and everything they bring in um casimir has always worked you know we've done those those four sort of you know spring summer autumn winter you know menus and that and there's a lot of places going through it wilson's you know, Wilson's is 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 fantastic. Is uh, uh, Jan? He goes out, he forages, he gets what's you know around mm. and that, and suddenly you know it's brilliant how he can put it up on a menu. And I, and I think what you were saying about Bristol, Bristol does that so well at the moment. It is, you know, it's probably leading the way in some ways. I mean, is it obviously- because we're in the middle of the West Country? essentially like there's so many amazing places just within an hour's drive mm. where people are doing yeah. brilliant food and whether that's an hour to Abergavenny to mm. go and buy some pork from Martha mm. or whether that's into I don't know cheddar to get some cheese and you know there's plenty of really like yeah. great I, th- I think the whole of the southwest going all the way down to Cornwall up to Gloucester and wherever you view it as stopping whether it's Wiltshire or across in that direction I, th- I just think we've got an amazing larder you know our yeah. farmers do a fantastic job so we do fantastic milk we do fantastic cheeses um you know the food that we generate the food we see in the fields um and we do te- you know some people do forget about it you know they do forget about what we've got available in that but it's it's an amazing sort of massive allotment you know, that you can go and unlock and everything out out there. And mm. and that's what we do so, so well across, you know, across the city and further afield. We're so lucky to be here because obviously all three of us aren't Bristolian from no. birth. And no. we've all kind of ended up in this amazing foodie city. So yeah. I'm really, well, I met my boyfriend in Nottingham and he was desperate to head back to Bristol. So yeah. Well, I, re- I first came to Bristol in the 80s. I came down here to work and there was a f- there wasn't that many places to actually go and um, I say 80s, probably 90s actually, early late 80s, early 90s. But um, there wasn't that many places to actually go and eat around here. But it always had that feel and that pull. And I always said, never knowing that I would ultimately end up down here, but that is a city I would love to live in. You know, sort of Manchester or Leeds were the nearest cities to uh, to me growing up and everything but it was a fascination with Bristol and it's always had that fascination and so, I love living in the city and being my adopted city. So how did you end up down here? Oh it was love. I fell in love with a Somerset girl so it, uh, I can't deny it Jane but uh, I'm glad you had Jane. People, many, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was Jane. It was, no no I mean uh, bless her but um, no she she brought me down here and everything and moved me 200 and odd miles from up north to uh, to to down here in Somerset and everything, and uh, no regrets whatsoever. So I love her to bits. Is Jane really into food as well, or she is? She suffers my <laughs> uh, my uh, my sort of passion for food. Yeah, it's quickly. Um, <laughs> just before we go off on a tangent there, but um, no, she 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 does enjoy it. She does enjoy. 
sort of going out and eating. She probably would like not to always be in the middle of winter in some sort of, uh, you know, food <laughs> area when it, when it's wet and cold and one thing or another. It, um, I remember last year we were doing St. Ives Food Festival and I was comparing for a couple of days down there and it was beautiful because it's on the beach and the sea is lapping in literally as you're on the food stage. Mm, brilliant place, lovely. brilliant, brilliant place to be. But she was sat in the audience outside, out of the sun, like freezing oh, to that. Oh. At least I had the ovens and everything. I, I felt so. Nice. She said she was enjoying it, but um, no, she she suffers some of it. But uh, that's love with a smile on her face. Yeah, that is love. You, you suffer your partner's hobbies. So speaking of because hobbies, yes, this, this is a hobby for you. I mean, it is. all the food stuff is not. No, does not your livelihood. I'd be honest no. um, when we. When we first asked you if you could be on the podcast, mm. obviously we, we've met you a few times and we know you, the, the king of the Southwest food scene. Um, we had no idea that you also hold down a day job in finance. Yeah, I do. I'm an um, accountant by day, yeah. How on earth do you balance the two? I don't know. Two? I don't know. When do you it's, sleep? I don't. <laughs> it's what evenings and weekends seem to be for. Um, no, it does the whole thing. Because, yeah, I have a full-time day job as an accountant. There are sometimes opportunities. Um, I do head up our food and drink sector group in work. So there are opportunities to sort of talk uh, accountancy. Not that many people want to talk accountancy to me. We're far happier to talk food. <laughs> um, Sorry, it's not the right podcast no, for no, accountancy. No, 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 no. Just, no. Otherwise everyone will be switching off now. So, <laughs> but it, it, it does work. It's, it's a challenge at times doing things and more things come again. Um, I find it very difficult to say no at work and for food and everything. So um, Sorry. <laughs> Podcasts, everything else, you know, Somerset Life, all these stuff. But I love it. I, I enjoy the job. You know, I enjoy my day job. Uh, it's a good day job. It's a good firm where I work and I, I love doing the day job. But, you know, and I... Have this passion for food, which is a bit bit surreal. It's a great icebreaker because rather than sort of saying, "Oh, it's a nice weather," or "How did you get here?" You know, I can get people if I meet them for the first time talking about food. What did and, you have for your lunch? Yeah, well, there's only <laughs> I can only ever remember once it becoming a tumbleweed moment of somebody who just had no interest whatsoever. Were food. they also an accountant? No, they weren't. No, 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 they weren't. No. Who are these uh, people? Yeah, no, they're, they're out there. There's not many, but they're out there. And it was literally a tumbleweed, and it was... Oh, gosh. Oh, what so how did you get here today, then? Ooh. You know? <laughs> but, yeah, 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 no interest in it. So how did, how did you end up as an accountant and not, I don't know, a chef or, <laughs> a, you know, restaurant owner or something? I I think there was a natural gap there for quite a few years of my parents because we missed out a big chunk of years and everything between I think my growing up in a food business and it's my biggest regret is that um, I probably went into a career of finance and trying to do university degrees and getting drawn into accountancy and and not doing probably supporting my parents at the time for the business and going mm. through into that food business but I'd grown up in it 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 mm. didn't seem that exciting yet now looking back that's Isn't what it, I should have done interesting how that goes yes yeah it, it's, it's it's a bit weird really from that point of view but uh you know I would love to have been you know looking back at you know this I'm a frustrated 
shopkeeper, I think, food <laughs> shopkeeper, but mm. uh, I'd love my own cheese shop, deli, whatever it happened to be, coffee coffee shop, doesn't, you know, and it's a bit of a, bit of a chatter and a bit sort of, uh, you know, some of the selling and one thing or another in there and just talking to people who want to enjoy food. So I don't know, it's just, there's mm. a big gap. Accountancy is where I drifted into as a, as a career, um, but sort of however many years ago it was, I drifted back into into this love of food. And it's a bit like I say, the more time I spend in food, the more time I remember what I was brought up with. And, you know, and, and it's it's those now. And, I've, and it's just so great to support food businesses and, uh, mm. you know, producers and growers and whoever it actually is. Because, mm. you, you know, there's quite a few events that I've been to that you've also been at. And like I, I get to the ones that you know the wallet will allow or time will allow because <laughs> when you do a podcast on top of a full time job and you have all these other yeah. hobbies on the side, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but yeah. yeah, you struggle to get things in. But you go to so many things, yeah. and I love the fact that you guys, you know, whether it's you on your own or you and Jane, you go and you support people, mm. and I think that's really yeah. admirable because you know it's hard to get out there. All it the time. is, and and, mm. yeah. and it gets harder. There's more and more events going on, so yeah. there's. You know, I do find myself now just not able to get to everything, and I, mm. I do need to start pulling back. As you say, said it's not, it's not my profession. Food. It. Um, I have. I've never been paid for anything I do in sort of to help people. You know, I just enjoy doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm very very lucky because I meet some great chefs. I get sometimes given some great food. I get to judge food. Um, you know, so it's it's brilliant. You know, it's it's brilliant from that point of view, and that's my reward. Talking of rewards, yeah. I'm going to take you back to 2013, yeah, when you won Southwest Best Dish as a home cook <laughs> in the Southwest Chef of the Year competition. Yeah, I imagine this is like Master Chef. It was. So what did you cook? <laughs> what, what was your winning dish? I, my winning dish was a pie. I took it at the time. Was you were a man the, after my own heart. Well, the, the thing was, the brief and everything was, was home cook and something that had memories. The, the briefs changed slightly now, but uh, at the time, that was it. And the biggest thing I, I grew up with, my favourite dish, and I still cook it for my children uh, and um, family and everything was meat and potato pie um, it takes a too, bit too long to cook so I thought well let's do a variation so I did a chicken and potato pie effectively sort of cider braised carrots and uh, trying to think of everything else that was on it but you know a few veg and everything on there trying to make it look pretty on the plate not being a chef really but um, but yeah it's, it's the nearest I've ever got to master chef um, it's the nearest I will ever get to MasterChef. Um, I did enter it another two years, and it was brilliant to to watch how, after I won it, how people's talents as home cooks, home chefs, would have uh, improved. Mm. And they took it; they were taking it all to a whole level, you know. And if you watch MasterChef, you you'll see it's how insane. people have it's insane. Have, you know yeah. what they come out with now is just quite unbelievable and everything. I think home cook is the wrong title for it. You know, I think it's at least amateur home cook. Yeah. Sometimes doesn't sound to me the best title. I think it's, you know, best amateur chef in some ways and mm. that. And, um, you know, it's it's brilliant what that competition does. But it is, it is very much like putting 
and your whole life becomes involved in this one dish. My poor wife had to eat it <laughs> night, week after week after week, sometimes night after night as I practiced and practiced trying to get it all right. And then you put it in front of a bunch of chefs who are going to taste it and did taste it and then give you feedback on it. <laughs> I mean, the year I did it, I think there, I think there was at least four or five Michelin-starred chefs That's led by Michael Caine's. Oh, so wow. it was. So Michael Caine's ate your chicken and potato yeah, pie. Yeah, <gasps> banging pastry was his comment. So I, I remember <laughs> that bit. Um, that's that. That's something that you, you. That's what you want to put on your website. <laughs> yeah, top banging pastry. pastry. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's very very scary to do. It is scary to do it, and I just anyone who does food competitions, cooking, and does Master Chef and all that. I just have nothing but admiration about. You're putting it. everything out there for you everyone do. to see. I mean, that's why you know I know watching. I know what we've been through on TV. I know what it's like to judge uh, from the other side of a desk and everything. And things you say, people get upset. It's you know, it's emotion. It's mm. it's you mm. put yourself into your dishes and that. But you mm, do. Yeah. There's a lot of time and effort. You know, it's not that people don't like criticism or can't take criticism. They just you know, it's it's. You know, it's your child in some ways. You yeah. just put down in front, and someone mm. someone says they're not quite good enough. So, speaking of the judging, how how did you? Because you judge quite a few things. How did that happen? How did you know? I don't. I get asked this question quite a bit, usually by people who want to get into it as well. And I, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say no, no. if someone asked me to judge you. I, I don't actually know. I had a connection, but first judging, I. St- I think I did a little bit of judging somewhere. I'm trying to think who it was for. but And then I had a connection with Taste of the West. And Taste of the West were looking for judges and asked me, would I be willing? Same sort of thing. You seem to be out there. You're talking about food a lot. You're eating a lot of food. Um, would you like to do it? And I said, I'd love to. And then, then after doing that for a couple of years or so, got invited to do the Guild of Fine Food, which wow. is brilliant to, to go and judge at and everything. British Cheese Awards came on the back of oh, that. No. So, uh, you know, I got <laughs> oh, that to... that sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah. Thousand cheeses in a big room at uh, Bath and West Showground. I got that coming around in... It's a, it's a real chore sometimes to do it. It is act. Nobody believes it. No, but I it do. It's so so difficult to do. If you need a couple of assistant, glamorous yeah. assistants, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, No, I mean, you go wine tasting. If you go yeah. for the day out to wine yeah. tasting, and you go from winery yeah. to winery, by the time you get to winery number two, and you've already tried ten yeah. different yeah. wines, yeah. you're just over trying to find. Oh, what can I smell? What can I taste? Yeah. You just want to drink the wine or. Yeah. Go for a nap. Yeah. So I do. Yeah. I do really appreciate. Well, I, re- that. I do remember. I think it was Taste of the West about three years ago, and uh, I, it was a bit of a surreal experience because uh, you turn up and you're partnered with at least one or two people. You're often, when it's being done properly, you've got somebody who's a scribe taking down everything you mm. say and fitting it into categories. But there was only two of us on this judging table and a scribe. But the chap who turned up was from the army, and he turned up in full military outfit. Um, and he was in the catering of the uh, division of, I think, Plymouth. Uh, he came from, but he had his, you know, his cap on and everything else. And so wow. I thought, not only am I judging, I'm now judging this very serious-looking person and everything. And we're judging pies, but we, <laughs> after six hours of judging pie after pie after pie, it does become a challenge. And, and Taste of the West have now changed mm. the judging so that you don't just judge 
that category so that you get that variation mm. and your taste buds can I was going to say you must get like everything. palate blindness yeah, because yeah. you've eaten kind of the same texture you've well, got same to try and get, be fair to the first dish as you are to the last yeah. dish but you know it does become a little bit of a challenge when you've been judging for a day and that but uh, I always like to think uh, you know I am and they always say whenever you judge anything that the best of the best you know it's a bit like cream and tizzy uh, the saying and everything it will rise to the top so mm. it usually does you know and, yeah, so uh, it's a big gap surprisingly big gap between what is actually yeah. a winning versus yeah. you know ones you know maybe yeah. three or four tiers down did you become friends with the serious military man no Oh. I do have his business card somewhere, yeah. but we've never done anything now. No. Oh, I feel like if you spent that much time with someone eating pies, yeah. <laughs> you know, besties by Quite the end start. Of it. He looked friendship. a lot fitter than I did to be <laughs> eating the pies rather than me eating them. So uh, he, he looked more of a part and everything from that point of view. But, but did he enjoy it? Yeah. That yeah. is the question. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a bit like for the Guild of Fine Food. And it's a lot of the judging which is done, and people sometimes criticise. I understand why they criticise judging, uh, whether it's a restaurant or whether it's it's food and everything. But places like the Guild and Taste of the West, but to be to get an award, you have to go through a lot of hoops, and to mm. to be a three star. Um, awarded three stars at the Guild of Fine Food, the whole room, and there's some quite famous people judge, you know, in our world anyway, of foodies, judging uh, for, guild, for the Guild. And every table has to agree that that is a three star. And usually, um, I think there's 10, 12 tables, four people. So 40 people in a room say that that is mm. the best of the best. And, you know, so when people have... You see three stars, two stars, one star even on a on a product and everything. It's gone through, you know, a great thing. And same for a taste of the West. And yeah. you know, we have time for one last question. I think um, so. We have two Only questions one. left. But <laughs> I think the one that we need to talk to you about is Feast Taunton. So mm. that's basically your baby. It's your baby. It is my baby. Yeah. So you live in Taunton. I do live in Taunton. Uh, Feast is what I. I came with the idea of, of Feast and everything. We've done it for two years. This year, it might have to change, I will admit, for um, Feast 19. We're not 100% certain exactly what it's going to look like this year. I think it's got uh, a different sort of concept to a lot of food festivals anyway. So, Well, I tried to... Um, I wanted to bring something that worked on lots of levels. So I wanted something that maybe worked on the fine dining level. And we had the Castle Hotel putting on their, mm. their chef's dinners. And we're trying to say for the Somerset and the Southwest that we can attract. You know, we've got a great culture here and we've got some amazing chefs. But we can bring even more chefs and they're willing to come and showcase what they do because they know how passionate we are. So I wanted to do it at that level. I also wanted to put, and I'm not sure we ever quite achieved this, but things for the masses and that could enjoy as well and go yeah. out and it's not as formal shall we say as going into the castle hotel in taunton and and as well with food festival um well you know sort of uh, your market side of it and we brought in an educational side of it with yeah. the museum because where we're we're very lucky in taunton we've got uh, somerset museum we've got a castle we've got uh, the outdoor space around it and everything where we can create it and that but it takes a lot of time. Oh, I can imagine. And it takes a lot of diary time. 
and we've struggled this year for the castle too because it's such a big commitment for them mm. because they've got to put the whole hotel on stamp on you know stop in some ways that we've struggled to find a date that works this year and that so we're trying to see what else we can actually do uh, to maybe still keep the feast name and everything going but maybe in a slightly different format and that so things have to evolve and Absolutely. things change and um we couldn't have done it without the castle uh castle hotel have been brilliant and um last year we it was fantastic to uh, to be have an outside uh, marquee and a big stage and everything that we had and we had fantastic videos and everything all going through to it and it was brilliant you know and it was probably my highlight was back to michael Keynes from Limpston Manor and that well-known chef uh, across the whole southwest um I was on the Sunday morning to actually it's first time I've compared on a stage for Michael and Matt and I was a bit sort of you know oh my goodness me I'm finally you know <laughs> the, man, the man who yeah. judged your pie yes yeah, did you so. remind him it's me oh, oh no he, he, he knows only too well no, no, he knows only too well but uh, bless him yeah so we're going to do something but it might have to be something different and I've got a few other ideas and there's a few people come to me with other projects and some maybe some things going on down in Cornwall and everything. So I'm lucky that I can Watch do the whole, space. you know, the whole Southwest. We've got a few things on the go here in Bristol that Ooh. I can't possibly commit to uh, talking about at the moment. But once we turn the recorder off, yes, maybe. maybe. Yeah. Okay, so let's turn the recorder <laughs> off. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, see ya. Um, thanks so much, Steve. It's been fascinating as everyone we speak to is always really fascinating and just just blows my mind. We have great taste in guests. Actually, yes, I think that's probably the problem. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming into Bristol just to talk to us today. (laughs) Although, Jane, you're getting a lift home. Um, If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and listening to Steve's story, you're likely going to enjoy the other episodes that we have of the other really interesting food people we've spoken to. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and you can just go to the website and read all the show notes. We will have show notes for Steve's episode as well, and we'll link you to the various things that he's involved with so you can find out more about that. You can also follow him on Twitter, and we'll link you there as well. So until next time. Over and out.